Romans chapter 9. <laughs> Romans chapter 9. Well, I hope you had a good Christmas and a good New Year's. Kind of getting back into the swing of things now. Kids go back to school. Yay! I met a parent at the grocery store the other day. And they said, did you hear us from six aisles down? I said, possibly. <laughs> and then they said, we're ready for our kids to go back to school already. So I said, I can't blame you. Nonetheless. All right. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started tonight. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you do for us. What a great privilege it is to be here tonight. Father, I pray you'd help us as we study your word. Help us to come away with something that would be helpful to us and beneficial as we study your word on the, on the grand scheme of things and as a whole. Father, I pray your will be accomplished. Thank you for this opportunity, and I pray it would be a blessing. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, two weeks ago, we finished up Romans chapter 8. Does anybody remember what the theme of Romans chapter 8 is? Somebody who has an answer before, maybe. You should have it by now, Jordy. <laughs> theme of Romans chapter 8. Starts with super... Supernatural, good. The... Vi victorious Christian life. Good. Okay. Supernatural, victorious Christian life. All right. We talked about that. We spent a great deal of time about that. I asked you that multiple times. That'll be the last time I ask you that for a little while anyway, just until I figure out something to do for fun. Uh, we'll come back to that. But for anyone who uh, didn't have the opportunity to hear those, I would challenge you. Go back and listen to those. There's 10 lessons. I spent 10 lessons there. You can believe that. Um, for, for me, that was, it, was, it was perspective and life-changing, um, what, the, what the Word of the Lord uh, taught us. But the main gist of Romans chapter 8 is that supernatural Christian life can be lived right now. We don't have to wait till heaven. We, we often think we have to wait till heaven. Um, it will be there when we get to heaven, but we can live that right now. We can live victoriously right now, right where we are. What's going on in our world doesn't matter. Circumstances don't matter. It's what's going on right now. The key to this, though, is it has nothing to do with our flesh or fleshly circumstances. It has everything to do with the Spirit and allowing God to mold us and to shape us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, that's his whole goal. You see, remember, you are his child. He's calling on you. He wants you to be more like his son. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. The question will always remain this, though. Will you surrender to his will for your life? Will you surrender to that? Well, Romans chapter 12 actually begins with a very famous passage. Okay? You say, Pastor Yeomans, you just skipped over three passages in three chapters, I know. But I want you to see Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12 gives us and begins some very practical, helpful ways to live out what Christ has done for us. Because of what Christ has done for us, I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And all the way through Romans chapter 12, he just gives us practical things. Be kindly affectioned one to another. 
It's extremely practical. So how do we go from Romans chapter 8, being more than a conqueror at the end, to Romans chapter 12 and how that conquering looks and how we can accomplish that conquering, and practically speaking, but nestled in between those two chapters are actually three chapters that could possibly be the most debated three chapters in all of the book of Romans. They're extremely deep, chapters 9 through 11. These chapters are confusing. I've read them many times. They're deep. They raise a great deal of question marks in the minds of a lot of people. Even Paul himself was amazed at the depth of what the Lord was doing. In fact, if you're in Romans 9, just flip over to Romans chapter 11. Look with me in verse 33. Romans chapter 11, look in verse 33. Look what Paul has to say about this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So even Paul was just amazed. After writing chapters 9 through 11, he just goes, wow, how deep is this God? How amazing it is. Now, I want you to uh, preface this with I don't claim to know all the answers, okay? If you're coming here to find out everything there is to know about chapters 9 through 11, you'll be sadly, sadly disappointed. And as we study through this, we may come up with far more questions than we had before, but it is my intention to study these chapters verse by verse and seek to understand what the Lord is saying through them and how they apply to our lives today. Okay, these are very historical books, chapters, excuse me. But tonight, instead of digging right deep into this, I want to just give you an overview of Romans chapter 9 through 11. But remember, we're coming directly off of Romans chapter 8, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them are the called according to His purpose, just a reminder, that is not fleshly. Okay, our circumstances aren't always good, are they? They stink sometimes. But God is doing a work in us, conforming us, molding us, shaping us into the image of His Son, and that's what He's trying to do, and that's good. That is excellent. That's amazing. That he's doing those things in our lives. So we're coming off of that. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, distress, famine, persecution, peril, all of those things. Who can separate? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So we see the incredible love of God. We see the incredible work of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But in Romans chapter 9 in verse 1, what happens is we see Paul begin to lament a little bit. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but if you come off a spiritual high and then somebody starts complaining a little bit, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel a little frustrated. I don't like that. I, I want to I carry on the high as long as possible. So it's a bit of a frustration to me as I read this, but we're coming off a spiritual high like chapter 8 and we jump right into some sorrowful words. How could Paul be so sorrowful about something that, some amazing work that God had done already in his life? So let's look at chapter 9 and verse 1. The Bible says this, I say, the truth in Christ, 
I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So he's just already wanting you to realize, hey, pay attention to this. This is, this is uh, not just a passing feeling. This is something serious. I'm not lying. I'm going through these emotions. I just came off this high, and I've just written how amazing God is and the love that God has and the powerful person that he is. I'm saying truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost knows about this. This is something that I'm really, really struggling with. Look what he says in verse 2. That I have great, look at this, heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. He's he's burdened. He's almost broken. And again, this is not just some passing, fleeting feeling. It's continual. Notice that word continual there. It's continual sorrow. It weighs on him. It's heavy. It's something that he battles with every day. It's ongoing. He deals with it day in and day out. It is ever present. It is always with him. No matter how hard he tries, he cannot shake this feeling. Well, what? What what is it, Paul? What's the heaviness? What's the sorrow all about? Look what he says in verse 3. For I could wish that myself were, notice this word, accursed. From Christ for who? Here it is, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You see, what was heavy, what was burdensome to him was his brethren, his kinsmen, the people that were around him. Notice this part of the verse, according to the flesh at the end there. This was not a spiritual thing uh, necessarily. It wasn't his spiritual brothers and sisters he was worried about. It was his brethren according to the flesh. It was his blood relation. The people to which he was related to. His heart is extremely heavy for them. To the point he wishes that he was accursed in Christ. Accursed from Christ. So that they didn't have to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not often wishing this. I'm not often wishing to be accursed from Christ for someone else. This just shows you how heavy his heart was. How painful it was to him to watch his brethren in this state. This is extremely similar to what Moses said of the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 32. He says, yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin... And if not, notice this, blot me. Blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. He said, just let me be accursed. Forgive them. Now, this was said of the Israelites when they had made and worshipped the golden calf in the wilderness of Sinai. And Moses goes up to God and God says, I'm going to destroy them. And he simply, Moses simply says, listen, no, don't do that. Forgive them, and if you won't forgive them, then take me. Take me instead. And this is very similar to what Paul is saying. I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. For my brethren. But who are his brethren? Notice with me here in verse 4. Who are what? Israelites. Same stinking group of people. (laughs) Moses was talking about the Israelites. And Paul himself is now still burdened about the Israelites. He's pained. He's 
frustrated with him. He's continual in sorrow. Now, I hope you're wondering, well, what were they doing that's so painful to him? I'm not going to get into that necessarily tonight. Specifically, we'll touch on it. But Paul is lamenting them deeply, and it deals with the children of Israel. But instead of diving right into this, let me try to give you an overview of these three chapters, and hopefully you can pick some of this up. Before we get into that, I believe there are three important and immediate lessons that, we can, be, that can be learned from this overview. I believe these three lessons will accompany us all the way through the entire study of this passage. The first lesson is this, and it's found in John chapter 15 and verse 4 and 5. The Bible says this, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself that except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Notice this, for without me ye can do nothing. Okay, this is the first lesson. Jew or Gentile, saved or unsaved, male or female, every single one of us needs to realize our dependency upon Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. Jew or Gentile, saved or unsaved, male or female, every single one of us needs to realize our dependency upon Jesus Christ. For our sufficiency is not of ourselves, it's of God. Our sufficiency needs to be of God. Remember, He is the vine. In Romans chapter 11, we'll see that He's the tree. So He is the vine to which we draw nutrients from, and He is the only way that we can grow to be more like the capital B branch. The branch to which Isaiah talks about. The only way that we can become like that branch is to be in the vine, in Jesus Christ. For without me, ye can do nothing. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two is found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us who are not willing, notice, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here's the second lesson. Jew or Gentile, male or female, God wants every single one of us to come to repentance. He wants every single one, all, everyone, to come to Him. He died for all. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He died for all, not for some, but for all. This is lesson number three. We find this in the chapter previous, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Here's lesson number three. God does all things to draw all men to him. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're struggling with right now, God is calling you closer to Him. And we'll see this in chapters 9, 10, and 11. God is trying to draw a group of people back to Him. And He wants to draw you too. 
God is going to get the glory from our lives one way or another. The question is simply this, how is he going to do it? How is he going to, and we would love to know, wouldn't we? We would love to know how our life's going to play out. We'd love to know every detail, but that's not the reality of life. Reality of life is God does draw all things, all men to him. Now, as I've said, there's a group of people here, but there are actually two groups of people between Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 11. So let me try and uh, draw this a little bit for you, if I can. So I'm going to start over here. There's a group called the Jews, and there's a group called the Gentiles. Anybody never heard of these two groups of people? <laughs> okay. We've all heard of these two groups of people. Let's make it very clear. Both of these, you'll see in just a little bit, are connected to a tree, a root, if you will which will be a, is going to be a great study. We're going to study through what the root is. But let me, let me kind of show you this here. We've got the Jews coming down on this side. We've got the Gentiles coming down on this side. And we've got the root here, okay? And this, if I can write it in here, is God. Okay, so both of these are connected in a very poorly drawn tree to God. So I want you to picture this. The Jews as a branch... The Gentiles as a branch, okay? This is key. Notice with me, these two things are not the same, okay? Jews and Gentiles are not the same, okay? Things that are different are not the same. This is very key to the rest of the book. They are not the same. They are, let me say it one more time. They are not the same. They cannot be interchanged, okay? Now, let's take a look at the Jews for a second. Okay, now look with me in Romans chapter 9. Look with me in verse 4. We've read it already, but who are Israelites? But notice, to whom pertaineth the what? Adoption. Okay, so one thing that they have going for them is they are adopted. Okay, adoption in our society is often looked down upon. But really, it is the greatest, amazing uh, love that I think can be shown. Okay? I did not have a choice in my children. Zero. I had a choice in how many, <laughs> but I did not have a choice in my children, what they looked like. I had nothing. Listen, God walked along and found Abraham and said, I want you. I want you. I want you and your seed. That's adoption. That's taking him, okay? Not only did they have that, look what else they had. And the glory. Remember over Christmas we talked about the glory of thy people Israel? Jesus Christ would be the glory of the children of Israel. Israel gets the glory. Israel is God's crowning glory. So let's write that in. They have glory, okay? What else did they have? Continue on. And the covenants. So not only were they adopted, not only were they the crowning glory of Jesus Christ, notice with me, they had the covenants. They had a bunch of promises made. We'll, we'll get to promises in a minute, but they had the covenants. We could spend a lot of time on each of these, but we won't tonight. What else did they have? They had the giving of the law. Let's go up here. They had the law. What else did they have? Notice, they in the service of God. So they were servants of God. 
Amazing. Uh, what else did they have? And notice with me, they had promises. Okay? So I want you to look at this. The Jews had adoption. They had glory. They had covenants. They had the law. They had service. They had promises. Let me put it to you this way. They pretty much had it all. <laughs> they had everything going for them. They had a spectacular life. They had awesome things going on. But notice with me this, and this is the theme kind of of 9 through 11, they rejected it. They had it all, but they rejected it. And because they rejected it, the Bible says this, that they were broken off the tree. So let me go back. They were broken off. Let's put an arrow out this way. That's terrible. Let's do this. They were taken off the tree. Okay, so the Jews are being removed out of the tree. The Bible does say that there was a remnant that would remain. But they were broken off. Now, what about these crazy Gentiles over here? Well, there's basically one word that describes them in chapters 9 through 11. Wild. Now, when I think of somebody that's wild, I'm not, I'm not really getting good pictures, right? There's a few boys in our church about my son's age that are called wild man, right? They're crazy. They're running up and down. There's little control, they, right? They're just running everywhere, and we think of that as a stage of life. But listen, this is the Gentiles. They don't have glory. They don't have covenants. They don't have promise. They don't have adoption. They don't have any of this. They're just wild. They're out here in right field, playing their own game, doing their own thing. They have no rules. They have no regulations. There's nothing on them. They have no law. They're just running around. However, in all of that, the no hope, they don't have anything to going for them. This is what they did. They accepted Christ. The Jews rejected the Gentiles accepted. So what happened when they were accepted? The Bible says this in Romans chapter 11, that they were grafted in to the tree. Okay, so I'm just trying to give you a general overview because we're going to we're going to piece this thing out. So because they accepted Jesus Christ by faith, they are now grafted into the tree to, listen, to partake of all the benefits of the tree. You're saying, Pastor Yeomans, you're killing me. All this information is wonderful, it's great, but what does this have to do with me? Remember, this is simply a general overview. We're going to piece through this every bit of it. But listen to this. If we are not careful, if you and I who sit here tonight, if you are not careful, mankind will fall into the age-old trap of those who cannot remember the past are condemned, notice that word, condemned to repeat it. The final warning in Romans chapter 11 to the Gentiles, to the people who are grafted into the vine is pay attention because 
the natural branch was broken off, that doesn't mean that the grafted branch won't be broken off. If we are not careful, here's what happens. We look at the children of Israel, and how many of you just are disgusted by them? Like, how many times do you have to chase after other gods? How many times are you going to commit whoredoms? How many times are you going to do and doubt? And how many times are you going to go through all of this and just destroy and utterly decimate? And you look at Jeremiah and you think, why won't you guys turn to Christ? You look at Hosea and you think, all you do is commit whoredoms. And you look at them time and time and time and time again, walking away from God. Do you know why that's written? That's written for our example. That's written for our example. In fact, let's go over to Romans chapter 11. Let's find this. Verse we can spend a lot of time, but let's look at verse 21. Notice, for if God spared not the natural branches, notice he says, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Bible Baptist Church 2023. Can you believe it? We made it this far. Are we willing to continue in the same repetitious over and over and over and over and over again, just like the children of Israel? The best picture of it is in the book of Judges, to which they serve God and then they fall away, and then somebody comes in and conquers them, and they're in captivity for a number of years. Then they call out, and a judge comes, and a judge conquers the land, and then they serve God, and then the judge dies, and then they continue to fall away from God, and then somebody conquers them. You see, we just came off of the supernatural, victorious Christian life that can be had right here, right now. And Paul's drawing our attention to the fact that, hey, look at what Israel has done. And we're going to go step by step through it. This is what they left. This is what they did. This is what they were seeking. This is what they did. This is their focus. The challenge to you tonight is simply this. Will you lose your focus? Will you go back and instead of trying to establish and submitting ourselves to the righteousness of God and saying, God, here I am, take and use me. Do whatever you want. I surrender all. All things work together for good. Or are we going to be like Israel who, the Bible says, they sought their own righteousness. Oh, they did the right things. Oh, they were in church three, four, five times a week. They tithed. They read their Bible every day. They sacrificed. They did everything they were supposed to do, but their heart was far from Him. Because of that, they were broken off. God said, all right, 
going to pass them on and we're going to go work with somebody else for a little while. My challenge to you tonight is simply submit yourselves to God. In the vine, in the tree, in the roots of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? Spend time with Him. And I don't mean, listen, every single one of us here, I hope, the beginning of this year, you're like, this year I'm going to read my Bible every day. And I applaud you for that. I think that's awesome. But here's what we do. And those check marks on my phone, just they thrill my soul. But what did I read? What did I receive from Almighty God? Did I draw nutrients from this book? Did I draw nutrients from the branch? From the vine? From the root? From the stem of Jesse? Did I draw nutrients from Him? Or am I just another stereotypical, doomed to repeat Christian? Listen, we must, we must, we must, we must, we must stay connected to Christ. Jesus wants everyone to come to him, and he's given opportunity to all. And all things work together for good. So again, how are you going to start 2023? I know we're going to get into some deep stuff. It's going to be debated and it's going to be frustrating and it's going to be this way and that way. But as a general consensus, can we all just agree, listen, I need Christ in my life every single moment of every single day. Because if not, I'm here today, gone tomorrow. I need the grace of Jesus Christ just as much as I do, did when I got saved. I need the same amount today. Without him, we can do nothing. It's a general overview. I'm done early. But I felt like we needed to talk about this before we start diving really deep into Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. Remember, if you can, that picture here. Jews are being taken out. Gentiles are being grafted in. Those two are not equal. And God's got a plan throughout all this, and it's for our good. And I hope it'll be helpful to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time. Would you help us as we study your word to continue to delve deep, first of all, but simply trust you and your plan for our lives. And Father, to me, this is one of the greatest pictures of a life who gets, we use the word careless or flippant in a relationship with you. And Father, I pray that each and every single one of us that sits here tonight or that listens to this, Father, would understand, realize, and grow because we're connected to you. We're abiding in you. Father, there are some that maybe sit here tonight or are outside of these walls that do not know you as personal Savior. Father, you died for every single one of them. And Father, no matter what happens in our lives, all things work together for good. May we draw closer to you during every circumstance, through everything that happens. Father, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, I am done very early tonight.